0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Three Words, a bite-sized podcast about the significant, small, and strategic choices that you can make in order to become the best version of yourself. My name is Dr. Michael Brown. I am the host of this Three Words podcast, and today I am extremely privileged to have for the first time ever a guest on this podcast who is not a part of my DMB coaching team, but we have become fast friends. His name is Eric Jones. He is the senior relations Relations manager for Rocket (laughs) Mortgage, and we actually met at the community center as we were just kind of working out, and it is so awesome to have you here with us today, because we're here in the SIBO Center, Eric, and we're obviously right behind. uh, You can see the the stadium where you played 20 years ago. Oh, man, it's changed. (laughs) It looks a lot better now. Well, and you still look in tip-top shape, so not so much changed about you in 20 years, but I am so... Grateful. Um, first and foremost, to have met you, to have begun a friendship with you, and to engage in a conversation today that is really near and dear to my heart. But quite honestly, um, I have less to say than probably you do. And so today I am looking forward to listening and learning as we explore these three words. Examine your Bias. Examine your bias. Whoa, hot topic, right? I mean, in this day and age, it's, it's provocative. It's challenging to talk about this idea of bias, implicit bias, um, overt bias. I mean, we could have this conversation just about what is exactly bias, but we want to talk about what it means to examine your bias. So bias basically is this, it's the tendency to generalize or group together people or principles. It's not a bad thing. It's just simply is that we tend to, for all of us have a subjective view of the world Mm -hmm. and we tend to kind of think about the world and interpret the world through our own experiences, events in our lives, friends, family, media, and, and it's okay. But a bias that's unexamined It's not productive, it's not even healthy because we tend to think that it's my way or the highway. We tend to think that the way I view the world is ultimate reality, which is not true. So when we talk about examining your bias, I'm just curious for you and I'd love for you to kind of kick off our conversation just with, as you hear those three words, Eric, as you think about those three words, What do they mean to you and how do they resonate with you as a black man?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I think we're in a a day and age right now where we have a lot of movements going, right? Black lives matter. Mm. Um, Yes, all lives matter, but black lives matter. We we, we see in the media, we see in the news that um, young people of color, people of color, period, are being killed. And now you're at a point where athletes, I know we talked about the Sebo Center, right? So athletes are on this this platform where they have a chance to, to talk about things mm. and, and voice opinions. And for myself, it, it gives me a bunch of emotions. You know, I'm, I'm sad, I'm happy, I'm scared. Um, It puts me in a scenario where you live in this world of
0: just the unknown. Well, that's interesting. I mean, I I can see where you'd be sad because mm-hmm. obviously you're watching across the nation, all that's going on. And, 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 and as a black man, just thinking about what does this mean? And I can, I can also imagine you'd be happy when you see, obviously, great breakthroughs and even uh, people protesting in a peaceful, peaceful way and really standing up and saying this is wrong. But I'm curious. Scared? When yeah. do you feel? You, I mean, uh, I, I'm not a, I'm not afraid of you, uh, but and you're feeling afraid. I, I'm curious about
1: that. Well, it, it's, it's, it's different. So I'll give you a scenario. Right. I walk into a room. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a former student athlete. I'm a bigger mm. guy. I'm bald. I have earrings, I have a beard. And some people may be like, wow, his color scares me a little. Cause I don't know enough mm. about it. I, 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 I'm not educated enough.
0: Um, it makes me feel uncomfortable. Right. And so they don't see you as the 20 year professional. No, they don't they- see you as someone who graduated with a d- degree in communications and marketing and, and is just excelling and succeeding at life. They see you, you feel like, Differently.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, when, when a lot of things started to happen, people of color being shot, um, mm-hmm. being abused and, and those people that are with them being abused and, and treated unfair. Um, I'll give you a scenario. Please. I'm driving down the street with my son. I have a seven year old son and we got pulled over. We're going to my girlfriend's daughter's swim meet. I rolled down every window. I turned the music off. I put my hands on the steering wheel and I kind of tensed up a little bit and I, it, it was, it was unconscious, right? I, I tensed and I didn't mean to. And my son was like, oh man, it's a police officer. Yay, the lights. We all, all this. Oh, cool he thought stuff. it was cool. Thought it was cool. Yeah. But for us to have that conversation, then was not been the right time. But I wanted to make sure that I felt safe. I wanted the police officer that walked to my car to feel safe and be able to look into the vehicle and mm-hmm. see everything that's going on so that. I was trying to think a couple steps ahead so that he lowered his shield. I lowered mine and we would talk whatever business needed to be
0: talked at that point. And about. that's what we're different because when I get pulled over by a police officer, which doesn't happen often, I try to stay within the speed limit and so forth. I just go, Oh, how annoying. <laughs> I wonder if it's going to be a hundred dollar ticket, a $200 right. ticket, but I'm feeling like I got to get somewhere, but I'm not feeling threatened. I'm not feeling afraid. Right. Um, now my son does. You, you talked about your, Seven-year-old son. Seven-year-old And I have a 12-year-old son who is uh, African-American. Yeah. Uh, We adopted him, and about three days after George Floyd's death, I think I shared this with you, Eric, but he, with tears in his eyes, looked at me and said, Dad, can you find a way to find a place where I can get my skin dyed white so that something like this never happens to me? See, we've not had those conversations either. We've not started the conversations that you're talking about with your own seven-year-old because I don't want to scare him, but I want him to realize the world in which we live, there is implicit bias. There is generalizations and grouping people together or, or ideas together. We see things in a certain way and It's so, so sad. We talk about student-athletes, Eric, but even my own experience here is I I work with student-athletes in in a really great town, Bowling Green, Ohio. But they have said to me that when they go out into public off the campus grounds and they're wearing their orange and brown, which is their kind of falcon colors, and they're wearing their basketball or their football or or cross-country gear, they feel like celebrities. They're treated like celebrities. But if these same brown and black, particularly men, are out and about in their normal what they would consider comfortable street clothes at times they feel in danger absolutely and and i'm just like i'm listening to these stories and i'm like is this for real like talk to me about that and that's what i think in many ways has been really challenging for me personally during this time is i made a list of 107 black and brown friends that I've been actually touching base with regularly, moving my way through the list, just asking about their experiences, because there's no way after having these conversations with a variety of individuals from across the country, that systemic racism does not exist, that there is not bias that is unproductive and unhealthy in our human relationships, particularly between black black and brown and white populations.
1: Yeah. You know what, Mike, I give you another example, right? So, um, the world I live in, right. I, mm. I dress business casual, sometimes pr- as business professional. And there's an example. I used to live in Michigan in Ann Arbor and Cat. I walked into a, a convenience store, live right down the street from it, dressed up, had a shirt and tie on. Hey, sir, how are you today? How's things going? Is there anything I can help you with? Interesting. The very next day I walked in sweatpants, a sweatshirt. I had my hood up cause it was cold and I got followed around the store. And that's the difference. By the same individual. By the same exact individual. And I said, Hey, wait, I talked to you yesterday. Are you following me? And it, they opened their eyes like, Oh my God. Like, oh, I, I think their face said, I think I am. Their mouth said, No, I'm not. Yeah. But it was a, I think it was eye awakening for them.
0: Well, and it's what we just described is subconscious. And in many ways, it's not an attempt. And I'm just going to speak as a white man to be mean or to uh, to create harm. But there's something that happens and all of us need to examine our biases that happens inside of us. And we all have biases, not just in regards to race, ethnicity, it could be sexual orientation, it could be gender, it could be religious preference, it could be fill in the blank, that it's okay to have bias, but Absolutely. it has to be examined. Yeah. It has to be looked at closely and actually, to be honest, look at ourselves in the mirror and say, is there any way that I personally and my personal biases are contributing to the situations that we have today? Cause what's typically happening, and I'm sure you've heard this from your friends, um, who might be white. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I'm not contributing to that. I, I have black friends. Right. I, I don't have bias toward black and brown people, regardless of how they're dressing or where they live or what. And I just, it's simply not true, but it's hard. It is to acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. But when we don't have an honest conversation like we're having today, and I look forward to even conversations out of this podcast to really talk about what does it feel like to be an African-American who works in Detroit? What does it feel like to be um, in a biracial relationship? What does it look like? Because that's correct, right? That is correct, yeah. Yeah. And what is it? And just to kind of explore those things, because I want to understand, and then I want to examine my own heart and ask the question, what do I believe to be true deep down inside? Because here's the cool part, and we talk a lot about choices here at DMB Coaching and on Three Words Podcast, I get to choose. I get to choose how I respond. I get to choose whether I ignore it, deflect it, disregard it, make excuses, or if I'm gonna enter into it and actually begin to examine. For Michael Brown, I can only control me, my personal biases. What do you think about that? Do you feel like, let's just be honest, as you interact with white friends, yeah. as you interact with the white population in general, do you feel like there is an implicit bias toward mm-hmm. men and women of color? I think at times. Okay. And, and I and I don't, I think at times,
1: I think some people are very in your face and, and they're like, this is what it is and this is what I believe. And then there's others that I think, they don't really recognize that they're doing it. No. I, I run through the neighborhood I live in Okay. and on purpose. Mm-hmm. And it's exhausting at times, right? I'm already tired because <laughs> I'm running. But every time I see a person, regardless of what they look like, if they look like myself, but especially if they don't look like me, I wave, I make eye contact, I smile. Mm. There's a lot of police officers that drive through our neighborhoods, right? I want them to know, yes, I live here. I cut the grass at that, that house
0: right there. So, Eric, you think about these things. Absolutely they're always in the forefront always. of your mind. And you use the term exhausted because that's what I'm hearing from a lot of my brown and black friends is it's so tiring to have game on all the time. All the time. Because of the fact that I'm brown or black. Yeah. Even when where I work. I'm a, a leader in a lot of perspectives. But
1: when I walk in the door, I feel like I always have to be on my A game no matter what. I have to be on my A game because – People are always looking at you. But part of that could have been being a student athlete. We were always told, hey, you're different than everybody else here on campus. People see you with your orange jumpsuit on, right? <laughs> they see you, sure. you look different. So it, it might be one of those things that I just think about constantly. But now when you're talking about this topic, it's heightened.
0: Yeah. My awareness is heightened. And I guess if I can close by simply giving some advice, and would love to, not to you, but to those who are listening who look like me is how do we take that which is unconscious and bring it to the place that is conscious? Again, not to judge it. This isn't about guilt. This isn't about pointing fingers. This is about personal ownership. And I was thinking about this in my own life that the first thing I need to do is pause. I just need to take time and actually in those situations go, okay, what am I feeling inside? Like pausing and saying, I feel like there's some bias happening in this interaction with this individual race or not race, it could be a variety of things, Uh, socioeconomic status and so forth, that I actually want to be able to pause. But then I also want to probe. I want to probe in the sense that I want to look within myself, really dig in and say, what is happening here? And what has shaped my perspective about this particular person, this particular situation? And then thirdly, I want to personalize it. I want to lean in. I want to move toward every human being seeking to understand, to know, and to hear their story. And so what would it look like for all of us, regardless of our race, ethnicity, background, and so forth, to be able to say, every human being I meet, I'm going to pause. I'm going to probe and really just examine my heart and say, what do I feel and think about them? And then personalize it by committing of the time to moving forward and to actually engaging in real relationship with real people. Because in many ways, I want to be your friend. But there's so much about you, Eric, I don't know. And it's going to take time for us to cultivate that. But I think it'd be really cool, even offset, to begin and continue our conversation. What does it mean for both of us to examine our bias? For life coaching, consulting services, or to hire a keynote speaker, please visit dmbcoaching.com.